This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome back to the same old <laughs> Arsenal podcast, the last podcast of the season. Um, it's here, something I don't like doing because uh, it becomes part of my week uh, doing this podcast. Um, and it's something I love doing, obviously, meeting up with these boys and talking about the Arsenal um, every week. Um just to let you know uh, why, obviously, we're missing the member. Uh, we're missing one of our, you know, our, our weekly regulars. Um, unfortunately, Dan isn't with us this evening. Um, he's had some uh, sad news uh, regarding his family. So, Dan isn't here. Um, Dan, I know you're watching this. Um, so, obviously, we're very sorry to hear your news, mate. Um, we send love to you, um, to your family, and, of course, to Mark um, and his wife, very sorry to hear the news. Um, obviously, I wanted to do this at the end of tonight's show. Um, but now I, I just want to thank you, Dan, for um, everything you've done for me, everything you've done for the podcast this year. Um, I think you have been um, a golden ticket to me this year. You, you, you've been absolutely superb. Um, you've taken your show. You, you, you took that offer by the scruff of the neck and you have produced one of the best pre-match shows that there is on YouTube. So you should be very proud of that, mate. Um, and again, I'm sure Lee echoes that. You've been absolutely fantastic for us. Um, and, you know, I can't wait for us to get going next season. I know that you're down in the dumps at the moment, um, but I hope somewhere along the line you, you can find a bit of peace um, and a bit of happiness um, in the not-so-distant future. But as for now, we're obviously we're thinking of you. Um, and again, we're very, very sorry um, for the news that you, you've heard today. Uh, so, the season is over. Over. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. <laughs> Harry, you took the words right out of my mouth. Thank you took the words God. right out of my mouth. Yeah, thank <laughs> God for that. Um, a horrible season, wasn't it? 
a horrible. I think probably not the you know could, could probably describe it a lot more worse than that. But I think we'll just leave it at a horrible season, a season that none of us saw coming. Judges, I start with you. We see, you know we. We started the season with Mikhail Arteta and we were all kind of upbeat about it and we were all saying, you know, top four, must, you know, top four. We can see the team getting top four. We had a Bamiyang firing in the FA Cup and everything looked rosy. Um, and then unfortunately, things went a bit pear-shaped, mate. Um, and we finish eighth. Is it? Was it eighth in the yeah. end? Um, eighth place. A point behind the unwashed um, down the road. They have qualified for the Anglo-Italian Cup um, next year. They shall be playing against Post Office FC and uh, Supermarket FC. But look, we'll leave them off. Lee, give me your season review in a, in a, in a obviously in a, in a shorter. Yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. Disappointing, let down. Um, glad it's all over. Uh, feeling boom, boom, glad all over. Anyway, glad it's all <laughs> over. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm not really looking forward to next season at this moment in time unless something major happens in the summer. I'm, I'm, I'm really falling out of love with the football club, and it's not just about the winning and losing situations. Um, I, I felt we was going to do really well this season. I felt that. After, you know, the Community Shield, I thought we'd give Liverpool a good run for our money. We also, um, first game of the season against Fulham, I thought it was great. The, the wheels just went off in the season. I've, I'm going to say this now, the football's not even great to watch. It's mundane to watch. I didn't really enjoy yesterday's game. First half, I didn't think was great. Second half, a little bit better. But... For the, for the money that we're paying to be watching that, I'm 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 a little bit worried going into next year unless there's major major turnover. The fact of the matter is, guys, like this this you know like going into last season, we invested in a uh, 45 million pound Partey and a 20 odd million pound Gabriel or Willian, and uh, we finished eighth again. So you know it's got to have um, major major. Um, turnaround now of players. I think at the end of the day, we need five players coming in, five top players in, eight or nine, ten going out. Because of no Europe next season, we don't need We need to trim the squad now. We don't need to have a bigger squad that we've got. So I expect probably maybe even ten, even double figures going out of players. You know, some on loan, some, some on permanent deals. But I expect a major, major... Uh, transfer activity in the summer. If there isn't, we're going to be here next season disappointed because we haven't got Europa Conference League, and it's as simple as that. Like you know, we we have got we have got to be chucking in some major major money. Hard to disagree. Hard to. I mean, like those players going out, Lee. Can you name them? Have you have you, have you got them yeah, etched in your head? I, you know, have you got have you got them etched in there? I, I've got them etched in my uh, thing at the moment. Obviously, like um, with, with David Luiz is already gone, but I think uh, Bellerin is going to be one to go. I think Willock, we'll we'll take the money for Willock. I think that if if it's a good good enough deal, I think that um, not not the way Arteta's talking, mate. 
Well, I don't believe a word he says, Graham. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so uh, I think you know, like that's a little bit cagey talk. You know, like trying to drop well, like the price, drop the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sensibly so. That's probably the thing that they can can do. Uh, I, obviously, Gwen Doozy and um, Torreira will go. Danny Sabias is obviously going to go back. Ulagard's going to go. Um, whether we can get him back on loan or not for another season, that we remain to be seen. I would, um, I would let either one of the Abamyang or uh, Lacazette go to fund other deals. So uh, who else is there? You know, uh, Nelson, another one that uh, I think will be on his way. Maitland Niles. Maitland Niles will be. You know, Maitland Niles. Whoever didn't sanction that deal for whatever reason, I don't know who it is, whether it's Arteta and that doesn't deserve a bit of club. They had 20 million last season to take for him and they chose not to and he's hardly played this season. Why Why? Why not take the money? He's ridiculous. Some, uh, and now looking back on it now, we could have funded a, a war or somebody like that. I don't know. But we've got to be ruthless when it comes to this season and, and I know people are going, oh, what about Willock and all that? It's no good Willock coming back and not playing. You know, I mean, where where is he actually going to play in the team? Um, so you've got to be looking a little bit ruthless on that. And I'm I'm sorry, but if we let Willock and say we let Willock and Maitland Niles go, and we get forty fifty million pound, that can fund Basuma or it can fund something else to to help something else. Then we're going to have to do it. And I mm-hmm. think we're going to have to be ruthless on who we let go. Um, uh, you know, I, I think well, obviously Willian's another one. I think will go. I think that um, if you you know you look at uh, Nelson, where's he going to play? Because you, you've got to understand that we're not going to have another ten, fifteen games. Where where are you going to be resting? Where are you going to be like these players going to be getting their opportunity? A League Cup tie? Not, not not as far as I'm concerned because we've got uh, we've got to go on and try and win that. Get ourselves mm-hmm. into the conference. Europa Conference League, you know what I mean? We've got to guarantee ourselves some European football. So we've got to be going for that, going for the FA Cups, which gets us Europa League. <clears throat> so we've only got domestic competitions next season. So, the, the, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of the younger guys, Balligan, they ain't going to get the opportunities they would have got if they was in the Europa League or the conference. Yeah, that's a good point, mate. It's a great point. I mean, you're going back to, you know, the Arsene Wenger time of, of playing all the youngsters in the League Cup. But then you're dead right in what you say. We can't afford to to, to even, you know, treat that competition um, uh, as a second-rate competition anymore because, of course, you know, it, win that and or the FA Cup or, you know, win that and it's into Europe you go. Um, Graham, I put out a tweet yesterday uh, after the game and I got, you know, people took the mickey and as they do, but that's okay. That's their opinion. I put a tweet out to say that I don't think Arteta's job is as safe as we think it is. Um, And then lo and behold, in the papers this morning, whether it's true or not, um, there's reports in there and from various journalists, um, there's reports in there that Edu and Arteta might not uh, be as safe as everyone thinks. Uh, even in the chat here, people are mentioning it. Edu is, you know, Edu is is supposedly um, on his way out. Um, Josh Cronkey was there yesterday to see to watch, um, and like you know, news on the street is that Edu is 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 getting ready for an exit. Graham, I mean, what would you feel about that? Um, I think the uh, the Cronkies obviously have been 
hit hard by no European football. Mm-hmm. So that, because it's going to hit their cash uh, revenue, isn't it? They got no European football coming in next season. Uh, sorry, no money coming in from European football next season. Um, obviously, that's a concern for them. Uh, and um, I don't think the Cronkies, from what I'm learning, as financially secure as what we think they are. Yeah. And, and I think if the right bid came in, uh, they might sell uh, because obviously the Super League not happening stung them hard. No European football stung them hard. So in answer to your question, um, I, I, I think that you know Edu and Arteta are on uh, thin ice at the moment because not they, not delivering that European football, they would have not liked that. And I think whether they go or not remains to be seen. I think they will get the start of next season. Uh, but he's got to hit the ground running next year in those first 10 games for me uh, and win six or seven of those games. Because if we're with the fans back more next season, if we're still playing the same type of football, if we're delivering the same sort of results that we delivered at the start of last season, I don't think they'll be there. You have to remember that the first 14 games last season, we only took 14 points. We only scored 15 goals. We struggled to create. Arteta was overcoaching the team. They were not producing it on the pitch. Um, they're getting up to the final third, okay, but just not shooting a goal. I think in the first 14 games last year, I think we averaged something like 10 shots a game. Our two elite forwards who was playing in these games were only having three point shot, four shots per game. So we were, and as Lee and I think uh, Dan has said in the past, if we were in the Emirates, we will not be putting up for that dire sort of football that Arteta was churning out last year. So, but one thing that happened this year, Craig, is he stumbled almost by accident upon the youth of this club. Go back to Boxing Day. That was a turning point in the season that delivered a better return that's probably bought him a bit more time. Because we have to remember, he has gained a bit of momentum now mm. from this last 24 games of the season where we got 47 points. Only Man City scored more points than us, averaged more points than us in those final 24 games. Not saying it's still good enough for the Arsenal to finish eighth, but it could have been a lot worse. And we were even being battered for being down in the relegation zone, weren't we, back in December? Yeah. But he stumbled across the youth in this team, and that is Saka, uh, Saka Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, Tierney, right? Particularly Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, um, and Saka. If he's got to do one thing this summer, he's got to bit, support these young players by putting the right tools around them so they grow and this team gets better next year. So if he doesn't do that, I think he's not going to last the Christmas. I don't know what Harry thinks, but mm. I think that he'll get time in the summer to rebuild, but he's got to support those young players. They are growing faster than a lot of the players in this team. We're going to trim the squad down, as Lee says, because no European football, he has to, but he's got to get the right recruitment, which has always been our weak point, get that recruitment right, continue his momentum into next season, because if he doesn't, then I think him and Edu might be gone. Mm. Harry, um, you wrote a brilliant piece about the transfer activity. Uh, it was you, wasn't it? Before I carry uh, on, can't even <laughs> remember. Night, for, for, for ninety minutes, was it? Was it, that was you, wasn't it? Maybe, probably. Yeah. What, which yeah. one? I've written so many. All right. Okay. Well, you 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 wrote a good piece that I was reading today at lunch um, about how Mick Arteta has got to get the transfers right, and you and you see that going for the younger generation of players now is something that he has to do. So obviously, you know, Lee talking about the squad needing changing, and Graham talking about. Um, how the young players have got to be supported. What is it that Arteta has got to go out there and look for 
what is it that Arteta has got to go out there and get to make sure that we don't see another season like this again? Well, first of all, he went into last summer's window looking to play one way. Or he started last season playing one way and then he changed it mid-season. So all of a sudden, those summer plans that he had, you know, and the, the deals that he'd done last summer, I'm not saying that they didn't particularly fit with what he was trying to do in the second half of the season. But the fact that he changed system midway through suggests that he was never really convinced that that was the way he wanted to play. I think Graham's absolutely right. He he, he ha- suffered from a real lack of creativity at that point uh, up until Christmas and then out of a bit of desperation, I would say, threw in the youngsters, changed it up a little bit and it worked. And we went on a pretty decent run after that and, and he stuck with it ever since. I think I'm right in saying he's only veered away from that 4-2-3-1 once since yeah. actually going back to it. So it's clearly the way he wants to play moving forward. And then he brought Odegaard into the club, who was another number 10, which we needed. Um, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe's been fantastic as well. I think now that he's probably got a little bit more of an identity, he needs to start looking for players that are... It's, it's hard to explain because for Arsenal right now, we know that we cannot go and compete with some of the other clubs for 70, 80 million pound players. It's just not going to happen, particularly without European football. So we have to be a bit creative in the transfer market. And I I think if the piece that you're referring to is the one I'm thinking, I was talking about the need to go for players that are low risk, but bring That's high right. reward. That's um, right. So players that, you know, somebody, I, I'll tell you who fits into that category perfectly. Someone like Matteo Genduzzi, who you spend 8 million pound on, you're not ever going to miss, you're never going to lose your money on Matteo Genduzzi. You'll always recuperate that £8 million. But the guy's potential, had his attitude been right, is that of a £30, £40 million player. And and that's what Arsenal, under Arsene Wenger in particular, did really, really well over the years. They found players that people weren't really taking notice of, brought them in for low prices. Their ceilings were incredibly high. And that's a talent to spot players who are not quite at their potential level yet, but you feel can get there. And Arsenal need to be cleverer in their scouting, in the way they go about the recruitment, because, you know, we've heard reports tonight that Liverpool are after Bissouma. And I'm not even that big on Bissouma, but I know a lot of Arsenal fans are. And if Liverpool are going to come to the table, Liverpool, who are in the Champions League next season, were the Premier League winners last season, who's he going to choose? So we have to, you know, we have to be creative in the transfer market. And, Sometimes that is going to mean Arsenal going out and bringing in players that you go, hmm, not the, who I would have had on my list, but you, you've got to have that process in place and that scouting ability to do that. The worry is, though, that, that Arsenal don't have that structure. And we know that Arsenal have put in place uh, where they've hired some uh, scouts to come in and, and do some sort of assignments in terms of looking for players, which suggests to me that behind the scenes, they've taken that view as well, that they need to shift their transfer policy to something like what it used to be and start getting creative in the transfer market again. So I would say to Arsenal fans, you know, people are talking about Grealish coming in and Bissouma coming in and all of this. It would be great, but I don't see it happening. And I think even more so now without European football, you're going to see a shift in the transfer policy. But I'm not convinced that Mikel Arteta is is going to be able to work miracles with that for a number of reasons. He's shown quite a few flaws over the course of the season. He is inexperienced. Do I have the same trust in him to get us into the Champions League on a limited budget the way I did 
in Arsene Wenger, for example, for a period of 10, 12 years? No, I don't, because he's not at that level as a coach. And, and that's the worry going into next season. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, saying we won the Europa League, you know, just for hindsight. I mean, from what we've seen this season, if we had have won the Europa League, I don't know, I don't know whether, I don't know, I don't think I would have been too confident of Mikel Arteta being our manager in the Champions League, um, unfortunately. Um, just, um, you know, just the, just the way I feel there's a lot of people out there that, um, a lot of people out there that feel differently. But Lee, I'll come to you, mate. Um, a lot of people are saying that this Europa Conference League, we've dodged a bullet. Um, you know, that they're happy that we're not in it um, and that we can we, we can concentrate on, on, on a league on a league run next year instead of having to worry about, um, you know, midweek European games um, and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I've got, I've got a bit mixed bag of feelings about you. I, I was kind of hoping to use it as like a Carabao Cup type situation where we, we, we played a lot of youngsters um, in it. To give them, you know, to give them experience um, of playing in tournaments and playing European football, and of course playing for the Arsenal and getting game time. Um, but then, obviously, there's the other people who didn't want to be in it because they think it's a load of rubbish. Because again, you know, no disrespect, we'd be playing Post Office FC um, on a, on a cold Thursday night in as a you know, Macedonia or wherever um, these these teams are coming from. So, what's your thoughts on on, on missing out? Um, on on that on that conference league, or do you think we've missed out? Well, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. I'm disappointed we didn't get here because it meant we'd have been above Spurs. If I'm yeah. if, if I'm saying that we're out of it, I'm I'm not that bothered. Well, I'm not bothered. I don't want to go to those games anyway. So, I, you know, and and I, I'm, the enthusiasm of Arsenal at the moment is is naught. And I'm sorry, but like, you know, I understand what Harry's saying. But if Arsenal go down that route of what he's saying about transfers and all that, like, then then I'm not going to bother renewing, and I'm just going to uh, have a year out and, and not have nothing to do with it. Because I tell you what, we'd be in the same position as we are next season, hoping to get into some competition to win it. You know, because we ain't going to we ain't going to do nothing if Arsenal don't do some serious serious business. And I mean this sincerely. Let's get this straight. Manchester City are by far the best team in this league and probably in Europe at this moment in time. They're in for Harry Kane. They'll probably get Harry Kane at some stage, like, you know. Right? That's a team that's winning things and still looking to improve. We Manchester United, I, I, I listened to Solskjaer the other day. We are in for three players to improve. They are second in the league. Arsenal, what are they going to do to get to, to, from, from eighth to get in to, the, to to start challenging with these boys again, they spent sixty seventy million. As what Harry's saying yes yesterday, um, saying that he's doing, you know, like buying someone like Gabriel that's going to earn some good money. It's a good business thing of that. It has got us nowhere. It's got us in the same position in the league now. I'll be honest. Probably West Ham won't have such a good season next season because. Uh, the Europa League may take it out of them a little bit, like you know. So that might push us into seventh place with with not doing nothing, doing what we're doing now. They're still not good enough, Craig. It's still not what we need to be. Um, Spurs are in as 
as in a sorry state as us. The, the both clubs are so poorly run at this moment in time, it's unreal. But we'll see what they do uh, and us. Now, they've got the, the 100 million, whatever they're going to get for Harry Kane, and it depends what they want to do with it. And But ultimately, Tottenham are probably going through what we went through 20 years ago, or ten, however long it was, selling our best players. So, brilliant promise, selling our best players. For, for, for what? For eighth place in the league now. I'm fed up with it all. I'm fed up with being lied to, fed up with like making excuses about things and everything like that. You know, I don't care what anybody says about this pandemic and all that. Like, if they, if the fans come back next season, Arsenal start making proper money again. They're not losing money. They're, they're losing money, but it's, it's money. They're not actually losing the money. They're actually losing money that they've not been able to earn. We've all done that. You know what I mean? Like, my, 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 um, earning capacity has gone well down this because of what's gone on like, you know, but ultimately, you know what I mean? Like I can um, make it up next, um, next year or whatever. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's what Arsenal will do. And, and all these other clubs would do. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage now where I'm saying, well, you know, what are you actually going to do? Like, the Cronkies might sell, right? Okay, like as Graham said, they, 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 you know, they might sell. Well, they've just had a 1.8 billion, uh, billion fucking um, whatever it was deal. They're not, they're not going to sell. They don't need to sell. Why is why if I if I had no interest in this football club, you would not have seen Cronky over this this week. And ultimately, you know, he would have been there. And there weren't that much outcry yesterday because I think, like, you know, there was a lot of rain and everything like that. Cool. And it, I went there, I got absolutely soaked, you know what I mean? So, um, and there was hardly anybody there compared to what I thought was going to be there. But that, that's by the by, you know, the, the fact of the matter is this, with all the fans protest and whatever, it really comes down to what these owners want to do. Now, if you're turning down 1.8 billion pounds, you must have some money somewhere along the line to, to be able to turn that down. You know, um, and I, I honestly think that they that, that they will. Now, the other thought of is, are they going to trust Arteta with, with that sort of money? I think that they will. But I honestly think that, you know, something major has got to happen this, this summer because we, we've continued, and I... I, I I hear what Harry's saying, and and it's all. I think that you know what he's actually saying is probably going to be the truth. I think that's what will happen. But if it does happen, we'll be here again next year, guys. You know what I mean? I, and I'm I'm, 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 you know, I'm fed up with spending all that money and watching crap. You know what I mean? Crap players, like you know what I mean? It really is like I'm telling you, like it's like going and going to the Emirates at the moment. It's like going into a village hall, right, and paying. West End prices to watch a play, you know what I mean? Like, and and you, and you and your your grandson comes on, you know what I mean? Like, really, like you know, waving a wand, you know what I mean? And you're <laughs> paying like the privilege of 150 pound for it. Not good enough. Good analogy. Good analogy. Um, Graham, have you got anything to say on that? Because I have got a question for you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will say that in response to what Lee said, I will throw this at him, uh, and that is that obviously. Um, the bid came in. First of all, the first thing that we heard was um, the Cronkies come out and said that there would have been no bids. They, they said there'd be no bids, and Daniel Eck had made a bid. So then they had, then basically it came out that he had made a bid. So basically, that tells me 
that there's a bit of a, a, a game going on here uh, in that basically um, that's his first bid. They want him to bid more. So if, if he was to come in with the right price, with the right price, uh, uh, with the right price, um, I think he might sell um, if he gets the, if they if, if the bid if the bid is big, big enough. Um, I think in terms of uh, what Lee's saying, uh, to get them out, I think the fans are going to have to do something that basically they're not going to do, and that is just not turn up for football matches. Yeah. The, the 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 kit deals. Everyone says don't buy the shirt, right? But they they they've got that money already from the sponsor of the shirt. That money's already given to them in advance. So not buying the shirt won't make one shred of difference at all to them. But what will hurt them is fans not turning up at the stadium. So and I know season tickets. Even if you renew, you know, and this is going to be hard because you know as well as I do, if you've got a season ticket, if you don't renew it, someone else is going to have it, and 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 that's why you don't do it, right? So, but if fans just stop going to games, they will then, and they start, stop making that sort of revenue, then that will put pressure on them. Maybe then they would sell. But I do think, in, in response to what Lee said, um, I think that they would sell for the right price, Lee. 1.8 obviously is not enough. So if he was to come back with more as his second bid, it's a bit like buying a house or something, isn't it? It's yeah. sort of like, it, it's, it's basically you, you, you sort of like go with the price, they say no, then you come back with another price. So I'm just saying, I don't think this is dead yet. And, and the fact that Josh Cronk is over, I don't think that has any relevance at all. So um, um, so there, let's just see how it plays out. But yeah, so what's the question, Greg? Well, the question was, I'll, I'll bring it to you and Harry. Obviously, someone in the chat there has brought it up about Steve Bold um, yeah. getting let go. Uh for me, for me, Steve Bold, an Arsenal legend um, on the pitch, no, no doubts. Um, but off the pitch, uh, not so good. Um, you know, if we're going to be honest, uh, didn't really make an impact uh, when he was um, when he was number two uh, and when he was coaching. Um, and of course, goes to manage the under twenty threes um, and nearly relegates them. So. I'm not sure about. I'm not too sure about the whole outcry thing. Um, I thank Steve Bold for his 30 years of service um, to Arsenal Football Club, but there's a bit. There's a there's a bit of an outcry going on, Graham, about oh, we shouldn't have sacked him and this, that, and the other. Um, what What are your feelings on that? Well, it's just loyalty to the fact that he's part of that legendary back five, hmm. um, and I think we tend to judge him on the length of service and what he was as a player. Uh, and this is what the, the problem I've always got about sort of like when players come back to the club who don't cut it because then you end up sort of like they end up, their reputation gets slightly tarnished. Yeah, what they exactly. do yeah. when their playing career's ended? He obviously hasn't cut at that level. And I think that's such an important part of the club developing young players. If, if it's not working, he has to be replaced. And if Harry's talking about that model where we got to sort of like rely on young players, also, we've got to be producing young players as well. Uh, and that simply isn't good enough. But the, the only thing is, I would like to see consistency that when the manager's not delivering then, that yeah. he goes in the same way. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, Harry, yeah. I'll let Harry take it up from there. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll tell us why it's not hypocritical, Harry, but, you know, is it not a bit hypocritical that, that you know, a manager has been sacked in the club for not getting results um, when, you know, 
the the, the main manager is not is is doing the same thing, not 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 getting results, you know. Yeah, but Steve Bold's had years to prove himself as a coach at Arsenal, and he hasn't, and and that's the no reality. Comment. You know, I I get it. I get that people want to be loyal to him, and and for all he did as a player, and you know, I caught the back end of Steve Bold's career, so. I'm probably not as well placed as, as some of the others to talk about how good he was, but I had immense respect for him as a, as a player. I've, I've met Steve Bold. Um, I've spoken to him. I think he's a top guy, but you know, ultimately we, we can't sit here and moan about the club needing to go in a new direction, exactly. to shift the exactly. way we're doing things. And then at the same time, cry out for someone who has yeah. a under 23 sitting fourth from bottom in the premier league too. And and people will say, oh, you know, but he's had a lot of the, the good young players taken away from him and put into the first team. But every top club does that. Look at, you know, you look at Manchester United, they bring Greenwood up. They've brought Rashford up over the years. Every club does that. They cherry pick their best players from that lower team and bring them up. There's something you've got to deal with and it's part and parcel of what we're doing. I think what I was saying about the shift in the way we're going to try and move forward, I think this is another sign of that, another indication of that that we are going to try and go down a different route. And to kind of link it back to what Judge was saying before, and I, and I totally agree, you know, there's a risk that we end up being sort of worse off next season or even where we are now, which is obviously not acceptable. But unless unless everything behind the scenes changes and we have an efficient structure in place that sees us bring in talented players for good value, we develop them and then we build off of that, then I don't see how Arsenal closed the gap on Manchester City, on Chelsea, on Manchester United, on Liverpool, unless we go and get a sugar daddy owner, which the Cronkies are not. They're not going to spend the money that we want them to spend. And so Arsenal fans, I think, not, not that we should be accepting, but we should open our minds to doing it in a different way. You look at Leicester City. And you look at Liverpool, right? They're two teams who have been in and amongst the top four in recent seasons without necessarily having sugar daddy owners. For Liverpool to get to where they got, they had to sacrifice two of their best players in Coutinho, uh, or they sacrificed their best player in Coutinho, and they reinvested that money wisely. So you, And then you look at someone like Leicester, who've also sold players to spend the money that they've been spending over the last few years. So... It's, you know, you've got to get creative. You either develop the players or you accept at some point that if a massive offer, let's say for argument's sake, came in for Bukayo Saka, you wouldn't want to sell him. But if you thought that that was the way to open up the doors to bringing in a group of players that you think could take the team to the next level, then you have to at least consider it. I'm not saying I want to sell Saka. It's just an example of how you either sell or you develop because we have not got a sugar daddy owner who is going to say, here you go, here's £200 million this summer, go and do what you need to do. It's just not realistic. They've never invested. Why the hell are they going to do it now in the middle of a pandemic with no European football? It's not me being happy with it. It's not me wanting it. It's just the reality of the situation. You know, I, think that, I, think, I think the problem is we've missed our chance. Let's face it. What we've allowed to happen over the last few years, we've allowed players to run down their contracts. Yeah. All those players who left on a free... So we didn't need to. Ha- we didn't have to sell like a Coutinho. If we'd managed the contracts of Ramsey, uh, Sanchez, Sanchez, you name the players, all those players yeah. we lost for free. Yeah. Look, yeah, look, yeah, look yeah, at those yeah. players that went for nothing. Yeah. So that's so we are now suffering through the tail end of the Gazidis Wenger uh, 
era at Arsenal, where those players, uh, we over-invested in crap players, let's be honest, uh, and, and we let players run down their contracts, and we sold them for nothing. And now that is why we are where we are, and it's too late, isn't it? These clubs now have gone past us, like Leicester, because they've invested, as Harry said, they've got a, a clear plan, they've invested well. And when they sell one of their best players, they spot that next good talent that comes in. Uh, admittedly, as, as Harry alludes to what we should be doing, uh, but we've missed our opportunity. And the problem now is that those top four clubs are so far ahead of us, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pain. So unfortunately, Lee, you're either going to be going back to the stadium watching crap next year, or you're not going to be renewing your season ticket, because I just can't see how we can get back to uh, well, investing the levels that you want. Yeah, and that, that's that's the thing. They've, Arsenal played it this very clever because they'll actually give you a, a holiday for a year, right? So yeah, if they, they know, yeah, <laughs> holiday for a year. They're not going to just give it to somebody like that. That's going to go to a tourist or whatever, so they can make money back on certain things. Like, you know what I mean, very clever what they've done there. But I, I think a lot of Arsenal fans will take up the year of uh, the holiday for a year, especially if there's only ten thousand of that games and things like that. I'm pretty sure a lot of people will. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know what I mean? This owner turned around and told me I was to be excited. Well, I haven't been excited. In fact, I am so down about Arsenal. I'm glad it's all over. I'm, you know, look, listen, every every Arsenal fan that I'm speaking to, I'm glad the season's over. You know, so everybody's glad the season's over. Why? Why are you glad the season's over? Because you've not been happy with it. Well, we, so don't look forward to the next one then. Because you're going to get exactly the same thing, and this is the trouble. I I hear what all, all you say, you know, um, and I shall wait and see what happens. But I I feel that if the Cronkies don't do something, and you know, what I mean, then there's going to be like I I, I think because there's a, as much as there's a lot of people saying about Cronky out in the moment and whatever, there's a lot of people that are saying, hold on a minute, they've spent a lot of money, spent 45 million on so and so, they spent 45, uh, 28 million on Gabriel, they put put their money where their mouths are to a certain degree, which they, in in fairness, you could could say that they have, but so I think that a lot of people at the moment are just saying, well, like, hold on, let's see what happens with them, like you know. Um, and then and then make a make a judgment up from it. There's a lot of people I say sit on the fence, but there are a few thinking, oh, let's wait and see. But we've been waiting and seeing for a very very long while. You know what I mean? This is not the first summer this has happened. I'm thinking it's everything's going to go here and there. And I just you know it'd be interesting to see how this pans out. The, the fact of the matter is, if Daniel Wick has got the money and he, he's going to go, look, listen. He, he, up the bid and all that, like you know, if he's prepared to up bid to to two point two billion, you know, then I, I expect that if he does come in, that he, he is he going to chuck the money? Is he going to be a sugar daddy? I don't know. I'm not so sure. You know, um, and that, so there's problems there, isn't it? Like you know, is he is he going to have enough money to fund the club the way we want it to be funded? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, and the other thought is, you know, if this is such a great deal on Arsenal, why is only Daniel Wecking for it? Why ain't, why ain't yeah. the, the Arab people um, that have been in for Newcastle, why aren't they coming in and looking at Arsenal? Why 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 is it just Daniel Weck? I'm not so sure it's just propaganda. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of it all. Harry, you were going to say something? I was just going to say, the thing is with football, and I was talking to someone on a podcast about this the other day, and he made a really good point. 
The reason you should never be too down in the dumps about it is that you're only ever two or three decisions away from changing your fortunes. You only need to sign two or three players that will take you up to a new level before everything looks completely different. Very so, true. you know, you could Liverpool sell Coutinho. Everybody looks as if it's a disaster. And then they make two bang on decisions in Alisson and Van Dijk and look at where, where they went from there. So you're only ever two or three decisions away from, from getting it right. And, and Arsenal, it, Daniel Ek might come in and not be a sugar daddy. I'm I'm not saying that, but what you need is you need someone who cares about the football. And so if the, they, they're seeing that throwing money at things is not necessarily working, they've got the understanding of the game, the expertise, or at least the people around them mm. to appoint people that will be efficient with what the club have. You look at so many clubs that are punching above their weight at the moment because they've used their resource properly. And and Arsenal have just not done that. You know, we've we've gone and spent money on bang average players. We've the contract situations that you guys have mentioned have left us in this mess where we're at. But you know, there is things to be positive about as well. I think I think it's important that we. I know you shouldn't compartmentalize parts of the season. I know the season is thirty eight games long, and it's not just about the last twenty four. But if you look at the last twenty four. And if you take into account the upturn that we've seen during that period, then, you know, there is reason to believe that we will be better from the beginning next season. Whether it's enough or not, who knows? But, you know, it's not not so doom and gloom like it has to be. I'm glad the season's over because it's been stressful. But it's not so doom and gloom. And as I say, the fact that you could make two or three transfers that could... Not even cost an absolute fortune, but could look at Emil Smith-Rowe, how he's burst onto the scene, made a big difference. Bukayo Saka, these transfers cost us nothing because they came through the youth. So you're only two or three players away sometimes from from getting up to a new level. Harry, you you make a fantastic point, or or that fair did, because funny enough, I sat here this afternoon and I don't know if anybody watches it, but it's um, the big match revisited. Right, and I watched. I watched it on. Um, uh, it was like Sunday's one, and now Jimmy Greaves was on there talking about Spurs. Now this is in hindsight, nineteen eighty, and he turned around and said, "You know, what do you think of Tottenham?" And he said, uh, "Shit, no, he didn't." He said, "Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, what, what do you think of Tottenham um, and what they're doing?" And he turned around and said. There, there, there are two players away, or two or three players away from being like a side that can, can compete. And he turned around and said, um, "When it, when you look at it, they can beat anybody on their day. They're, they're, in that season that, that's going on at the moment, nineteen eighty, they've gone to Manchester United in the FA Cup and beaten Manchester United, but they they haven't got the consistency." And he said, "The reason they haven't got the consistency is because they haven't got goal scorers. They they play some good football. Glenn Oddle was in midfield, blah blah blah." So in this summer that goes after the 1980 summer, they bring in Garth Crooks, Steve Archibald, right? They also bring in a player called Graham Roberts from um, Weymouth, believe it or not. And all of a sudden, I know it's a different era, but they go on to win the FA Cup in 81, 82, and then they go and win the European uh, UEFA Cup in 84 or whenever it was. And Spurs then become, they had Aussie ideas, they become a really, really a good side when Arsenal were suffering, you know what I mean? Like, it was a bad time for me going through school was this team. But what the point being that they were going nowhere until just two or three two, three signings they made in that, that summer and they they become a very, very competitive club. And the, 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 thing, I'm sorry, 
Well, you certainly didn't yeah. then, but football then was more of a level playing field. Of course uh, it was. What, but yeah. the point, I, I agree. But the point point is, though, that they made those signings. If they yeah. didn't make those signings, they'd have been still like where they were, stuck yeah. in the mid-tables and whatever, like, you know. They made the signings. And 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 I I, I don't suppose I don't think Arsenal I I think the three signs away, probably four or five. But if they could get those turn and make some big investments in that midfield area, Arsenal would be a lot better than what they are. A lot better. And also but, the, yeah. the other thing to consider is that you know, uh, there's a bit of uh, a kind of snobbery as well among Premier League fans in general. You know, we look at some of the players that we would like to see the club sign. You look at, and, and I always use the example of Bissouma, right? Because he's had a good season for Brighton. There's no doubt about it. And if we we signed him, I'd be quite pleased. But he's not someone I look at and go, well, there isn't another Bissouma out in Europe who we could bring in for half the price. Because I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's someone with the same physical capabilities mm. as him and with the same technical level as him. I, I really do believe that. And you look at some of the players that Leicester have brought in over the years, you know, somebody like Wilfred Ndidi is a prime example of that, who nobody had a clue who he was. He comes in and he can dominate midfields. It's just about what we were so good at was scouring the continent and finding talent before mm. anybody else did. And I know everybody else has caught up with us, but this is why the, the, the approach, the, the textbook, if you like, needs ripping up and starting again because we've, in our obsession with trying to show that we are, are a big club, we kind of, we moved to the Emirates Stadium so we could compete. We haven't competed, but every now and then we go and break the bank for someone just because we're a big club and that's the thing that the fans demand. But actually, you need that calm head sometimes within the club who's a football man who says, I don't care what the fans on Twitter say about Bissouma. I can go and get one of those from the French League, for example, for half the price. And that is the sensible decision to make from the club's point of view. Block out the noise and do what's right. We haven't done that. You know, it's been, we've always, every every summer, it's how high profile are the players that we're going to be linked with. And everybody turns their nose up at, at all of them. I do it sometimes as well. But it's about being efficient and smart with your money. And that we've definitely not been. And that's the biggest issue. You know, we can talk about yeah. the manager yeah. and all of that, but that's that's why we are where we're at. Yeah. Um coming on to the next coming on to the next topic I wanted to discuss this evening um uh, was the graphic that I'm sure we all saw um on Twitter today uh of where we'd be if there wasn't any VAR. Uh VAR has been very unkind to us um this season. Uh, to say the least. Um, I know I, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to talk about this tonight, but I think I'm going to. Um, Lee, the, the VAR table basically says that Arsenal would... I, I know it's all hindsight before everyone goes mental um, in the chat box, but, the, you know, the, 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 the table there says that we would have finished fourth um, if the VAR decisions um, would have gone our way. Um, any relevance to you at all, Lee? This can be a quick one. Listen, um, VAR yeah, has got yeah. to go. And I'll tell you why it's got to go. Every single week, there's controversy. Every single week. Now, I watched a game. It didn't affect us in the end. Crystal Palace, right? Ben Teke. What he did, done in that game to El Nini, is a sending off. Right, yep. when I've seen other things. I then watch 
match of the day yesterday, not seeing anything. Can I just so- cut across you there? Sorry, mate. What happened in the fourth minute was a red card, that bad tackle. Yes, the fourth uh, minute you can and, say and, that is when you, have, when you see a Bamiang do the same tackle last season yeah, and they yeah. are get involved. Yes, totally agree. Right? And then I'm just sitting here watching the Chelsea game last night and um, I'm, I'm going to call him Dave because that's what the Chelsea fans do, the right back line. Uh, Aspel of Aquerta, right? <laughs> he actually just flicks, flicks Grealish and he's got a red card for him. It's, and I'm looking at the Benteke one and thinking, hold on a minute. I've just seen something there, completely the same, but not given. I see uh, there was a great caption on um, on Twitter this week of uh, six incidents, right, involving Arsenal. Which one was the red card? And it was the one with David Luiz. It's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I, and I, I see... I'm, I'm going to bring it up. You know, it, it, I don't think it would have made much difference. I think Spurs would have carried on and got another goal. Harry Kane handballs the ball. Now, I've seen Pepe go through in a European tie, handball the ball and score. And I've turned around and said, no, he's handballed it. Um, it's got, a, it's no goal. And, and I, I accept it. It was, a, he's touched it with his hand. He hasn't meant to do it, but it's touched his hand. It's a, it's a, you know, no, it can't be given. And then I see somebody else like Harry Kane deliberately, or deliberately or whatever, handball, nothing given. And then I see things like the ruler coming out for decisions, right? And then I see a, I see a tight decision at Arsenal this week with, with holding. I thought it was tight. No, no rulers coming out. <laughs> Just get on with it. Get on with it. And yeah. there are decisions now that I, I honestly think it, it allows people to be corrupt. It allows people to be corrupt or incompetent. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is VAR is like, let's get this thing straight. For when, when the goal line technology come in for the, goal, the ball over the goal, has there ever been any controversy in that? There's been no, one no. time it's been controversy when it didn't work. But ultimately, it's worked most of the time. So no one argues with it. I don't argue when the ball says it's over the line. I don't argue if it's a goal because it's fact. A lot of this VAR at the moment is still opinion. Is that a free kick? Is that a penalty? Is that a, a sending off? And this is why you're getting one player getting sent off for something and not another player because it's not fact. It's yeah. an opinion of a useless ref that can't referee properly on a pitch. Now he can't referee him properly in front of a screen. Get yeah. rid of it. End of. There's a lot, you know. It's a few, it's, <clears throat> on a non-league game, there's no VAR. There's yeah. no nothing. It's, you know, what I mean, like basically, you know, f- football now, the Premier League and whatever is going completely wrong way. Scottish football doesn't have it. You know, what I mean, so why, why have some countries got it, other countries haven't? At the end of the day, when you, when I used to play on the field, it was virtually the same rules as if you was. Um, at a playing at a professional level. Now, when you're playing in the FA Cup, right, you go and play in the FA Cup, you play a team there, and they go, oh, we're playing with VAR today. Yeah, it's rubbish, right? And then the next week, you're not. The games, because you're in the Premier League, in the FA Cup, you're playing with VAR. If you're not in the, in the Premier League, you're not playing with it. It's a nonsense. Yeah, That's it's ridiculous. Well said, mate. It is ridiculous. I mean, there's a few people in the chat there saying that I'm relying on VAR. I'm not relying on VAR. I just think it's a good uh, talking point. 
um, to have. Graham, 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 you, you, yeah, you, you come in now. Graham. Yeah, you can yeah. come in now. Yeah. Hello. Uh, my wife's coming. My wife's coming in in a minute as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what? Well, that's good. I want to know what she thinks about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I think Lee actually made some really great points there. The the um, thing I want to add to the debate is I just don't think the technology is good enough on the offsides. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we talked. I talked about that before we come on air tonight. And that basically was I've been saying it for weeks, months, even. I don't think the technology is good enough And until they get the technology right on offsides. Why are they doing it? I mean, I watched the goal that Chelsea had chalked off in the FA Cup final. Uh, Thiago Silva, I believe it was, who played the pass and they drew the line. When you see where they draw the line, the ball has left his foot. So it's not as if he's kicking it as they draw the line. It's slightly left his foot. So when you're talking about millimetres, as it was in that offside decision, how the hell can that be accurate? Mm. I just don't think the technology is good enough at the moment. The cameras are not sharp enough to catch it. And the other thing I think, the big problem I've got, the last game I went to at the Emirates was the West Ham game, which was when I think that was Ozil's last assist. I think Lacazette scored. And we waited for about, it seemed like five or six minutes before they gave the goal. And I think the Chelsea fans had it in the cup final. They waited a long time. What I think should happen is what happens in rugby league. Instead of the fans who have paid the money, who are in that stadium for the experience, uh, suffering, what they should get, they should hear what's going on from the officials. Yeah. They, in rugby league, the guy's mic'd up. He's saying, even like cricket, they're saying, can we go to DRS, ball tracking or whatever? Mm. I think we should hear what's going on in the conversation. I think they should be man enough to sort of do that so that the fans are not shortchanged in the stadium. I'd like to know how they reach those decisions. And they and I know it might cause uproar in the stadium and people uh, going mad in the way they do when a player makes a missed pass. But that, that should be part of it for me. But I think the biggest gripe I've got is I don't think the technology is good enough on the offsides. They need to get rid, as Lee said, until it's better. And then even then, the point he makes is great. You've got incompetent people. It is a matter of opinion at the end of the day. That's why you get the inconsistency. So for me, I think VAR has been... We wanted it anyway. We wanted the right decisions in football, but this, in effect, is not something that I envisioned it would be. And, and we're getting so much wrong now. It is at the end of the day, football at times is a game of opinion, isn't it? And uh, I think VAR is adding, adding sort of like making it uh, more contentious. I would say so. Likely, I would get rid, Craig. Can yeah, I, I defend? Look, I, can I defend it a bit? Oh, <laughs> I thought you might. Oh yeah, I thought go for it, mate. Go for it. It's, it's set off. It's set off Granny Jacker twice in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no. A, a few things like I, I agree. It's not been as as good as we wanted it to be, and and some of the points you guys make are absolutely spot on. The only thing I would say is, first of all, you're never going to get a hundred percent complete consistency in football because somebody different every week is interpreting those pictures. Also. People need to adjust their expectations of VAR because it feels to me like everybody heard about VAR and thought VAR is going to come in and 100% eradicate any wrong decisions. That's not what VAR is. And VAR is not making calls. VAR is a technology. It's a tool available to those people who are responsible for making the calls to assist them in getting a greater percentage of their decisions correct. And they are failing to do that. They, as officials, are failing to do that. So for me, it doesn't matter how good the technology is. If it's if you've got incompetent people running it or using it, then th this is always going to be an issue. If you watch 
other leagues on the continent and I watch a lot of Serie A and Serie A is a league that always gets accused of having corrupt referees and corrupt this and corrupt that. Actually, yes, there have been some controversial VAR moments over the course of the season, but nowhere near as many as the Premier League. We're not talking about VAR every single week after every round of Serie A games. Why? Because the officials in general are at a much higher level and at a much higher standard. So this is a problem that is a problem across the board with regards to VAR. It does need to improve across the board, but it's a bigger problem for us here in the UK and in the Premier League specifically. Going back to Graham's point about the the offsides and the cameras, you know, maybe not being sharp enough or maybe the picture not being paused at the right uh, at the right moment. I think that is still better though, Graham, than relying on a linesman to be able to split his vision between the player making the run and the guy playing the ball from centre-back. I still think we're getting more, more of those right than we would be getting without it. Because yes, some people say, oh, you know, it's a toenail, it's, it's an arm. Well, if that's the case and people are unhappy with that, then the rules need changing because just like goal line technology, onside or offside is not a matter of opinion. It's fact. You're either on or you're off. So well, if you I, wanna... I think I think we I think we've overcome overcomplicated the rules. Yeah, I, I yeah. we need to get we need no, to no, get no, back to simple is, rules. You're offside. What's, you're offside. Offside what's, needs to be offside needs to be daylight. What's happened? Yeah. What, what's happened is is that we've gone into a new age with VAR, and some of the rules that we've known for the last 10, 20 years are no longer fit for purpose because of VAR and we need to tweak them so we get to a place where the rules and the technology or the rules and the tools that we're using marry up to one another better and there's less of a discrepancy between the the two. The problem is, Harry, we're destroying the product. The product is all about goals, about goal creation and goals. And what we're doing at the moment is we're taking away that element of favouring the attackers, right? Because that's what we changed the rules for. Let's be clear about that. We changed the rules so that we basically we, the attackers had the benefit in tight decisions because that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see more goal mouth incidents, more excitement in the box and more goals. And so what the technology now does is it's taken away that element. And also what it's done also criminally is in the stadium and even when you're watching it, you can't celebrate a goal anymore, Harry. You cannot celebrate a goal. You've got to wait for a VAR decision. And I think that is, for me, killing the excitement, not only in the game, but in the stadium. I think generally, though, I think generally, if you watch football for a long time, and as you guys have, I think generally, you know, when a goal goes... No, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying as as, as experienced football viewers, you know, and and I include myself in that, as as people have watched hundreds, thousands of games of football over the years, I think you generally know when a goal's gone in and there's a risk of it being struck off to, to reserve your celebration. And I think there's other goals where you know 100% it's a goal and you can let loose and go mad. If someone, Tielemans' his goal in the um, in the cup final, I know there was talk about there being maybe a handball in the build-up. Yeah, but, it should have been yeah, but that could have, yeah, but that's what I mean. Yeah, but that could have been brought about, back. What the, the point I'm trying to make is if someone bangs one in from 30 yards, you know most of the time that that goal is going to stand. You know, someone's handled it in the build-up. No, you know, all right, you know bad what, example. Harry, what I'm talking about is someone shooting from distance. No, it's not a bad example, mate. No, it's it's not a bad example. Yeah, what you're saying, Harry, is just the excitement of the ball going in from 30 yards. But so you're just honest. thinking, well, we know that's a goal because he's gone in by 30 yards. Someone's handled it. 
When Chelsea yeah, scored, I, I was watching that. I had no thought that that was going to be a yeah. off. I, I just thought, Same here. Oh, oh, no, ah. we're going to win this game now. Yeah. I had <laughs> yeah. no thought whatsoever. Now, I've watched football a long time. I didn't even see an offside in it. Like, and, and to be honest, I'm going to say this now. I don't think it was offside. No, nor do I. You know, I, I think it's like someone on the red going, I tell you, we don't want Chelsea to win this. It's good for football at Leicester to win this. Frank Lampard was doing VAR that day. Yeah, yeah like, you know what I mean? Because realistically, realistically, if, if VAR is doing the job properly and to the rules, yeah, that first goal, Cinnamon's goal, should have been kept called uh, for a handball, right? And... I don't see it being offside. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, like, they're going to win it now, like, you know what I mean? And listen, because it happened to Chelsea, it was a bit of a laugh and all that. But it's really ruining football because that then just, you know, killed the game completely. But then there's two sides of it, though, Judge, because if if that, you know, if if your team is on the receiving end of a decision that saves you a goal in the cup final, then you'd be bloody delighted with it. So, oh, of course, it, it's, it's I, both I ways. And the drama goes Listen, both ways. And VAR, VAR. This is where I look at VAR. Right, when we was at our playing at Old Trafford, and the Bamiang went through and scored. Yeah, prime right? yeah. yeah. That 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 is when I want to want to see VAR when it's completely and utterly out of context that it shouldn't be offered. When that happened, I, I'm in the stands. Thinking, I'll oh, get on with it. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's a goal. It's not a goal. Just get on with it, like. But when you actually see it, it was so far on side. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. when you want VAR to come in and go. Do you know what? That's a good job. Even if it's against Arsenal and it's a millimeter out, I, I'm, I'm. Oh well, fair enough. But like, where do you draw that line? Because I think that should be given that goal, and because I just don't see offside wasn't offside was not brought in for that sort of rule. You know, for us to get out rulers and all that, like, you know, it is to do that incompetence of that thing there. And, and what we're getting there, and I, I, I totally agree with you, like, you know what I mean? It, th- th- this is this is how farcical far is, right? West Ham are playing Man United, right? The ball goes out, it goes over past David Moyes. They all look at the thing and go, right, it's gone out. It comes back in, they play on and score. And VAR goes, we can't do nothing about that. Because we haven't got the angle, yeah. The angle, yeah, yeah. But Graham's dead right in what he's doing. The ball's gone out, but they can't do nothing. Yeah, Graham's dead right in what he's saying about. Got to deal with that though, hasn't he? The the linesman in that game didn't flag for it. Surely, as a linesman, because the incompetence of it all. Again, so that goes back to the official, doesn't it? Yeah, but what I'm saying, man on the pitch, these these referees and linesmen are not good enough to rent to to the standard of refereeing. Let's be honest; in the Premier League, is woeful, right? Yeah, Yeah. and then you're asking these same people to do VAR. I agree with you, like you know. I mean, if it was done properly, it'd probably be a good idea. But it's not being done properly, Harry. You've got to admit that it's not being. I tell you another stupid rule, right? Yeah, if if you're offside and you score, right, it gets given against you. If you're offside, right, and you shoot and the goalkeeper makes a save, it's a corner. And from that corner, you score, right, the goal's given. But realistically, you should have been given offside. But because it's not a goal, they don't give you... It's just stupid rules. Yeah. And what's all this rule? I mean, I don't know if you're talking about the same rule. If a player goes clear through and the linesman's waiting to put the flag up. To see, because he because he's waiting to see whether the player scores or not. 
Um, yeah, well, that, that, that can happen as well. You know, you know like, and then like if the player scores, the flag goes up. And if the goalkeeper saves it, the flag goes up. So why are you not just flagging for offside? The old traditional way. There was one with Arsenal, right? And I don't know who it was against. A couple of weeks ago, not very, very recent. Went through. Lionsman put his flag up and we scored. They didn't even check it. They thought, well, we better not check that just in case it was onside. And they just carried on. You know, when we weren't checking that because it would have been a farce. I can't yeah. think that was it. Was an Arsenal game. It, it was a couple of weeks ago. Like went through and he scored, and they they didn't even show the offside because like now the lines have put his flag. Realistically, he shouldn't have put his flag up, but he did. I can't remember who that was. He scored. Didn't I think I'm, 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 but Graham's right in what he says about um, it's overcomplicating things. Going back to the Tiltman's goal, right, uh, Harry? Like. They're saying that the goal was given because the handball wasn't in was was in a different phase of play. Uh, that's what they're saying, and I think um, they're saying that yesterday as well Harry Kane, about yeah. Harry Kane's goal. He handballs it, I mean. and then they say, "Oh, it was in a different phase of play." What are you talking about? This the ball hits I mean, him in though. the hand. He what? He dribbles the ball. He turns around, squares it to Gareth Bale, and he scores. But what? this was exactly my point, yeah, Craig. I- that. There needs to be, now that VAR is here, and it ain't going anywhere, now that it is here, there needs to be a clear sort of rule, sort of adjustment to yeah. to clarify all of these things. Because this is, the problem is the Premier League as well were arrogant and said, oh, do you know what? We're not going to take VAR when everybody else took it. We'll wait another year. So while in Serie A, they're in a they've gone another year down the line of VAR, They've learned from their mistakes at the beginning and they're further down the progression line of, you know, getting it right. We in the Premier League are still bloody behind because we didn't want to take it on at the right time. So these things can be, they will get better over time. They'll be ironed out. But what we need is we need them to go back to the drawing board and say, right, we've got VAR now. We know the problems that VAR brings. We know the good it brings. We know what the rules of the game are, but how do we now adjust the rules so that they yeah. are to the benefit of the game, but also to the Absolutely benefit of the VAR. Yeah. They oh, need yeah. to be married up. There's yeah. no, yeah. you know, yeah. there's no cohesion between the two. Yeah. That's the yeah. biggest I mean, issue for me. I think, I, th- I mean, I think Arsene Wenger has, has already said that he wants to bring back clear daylight, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. On an offside decision. And I think yeah. that that is best for, for, for us as fans. And I think that is best for the game. If it's clear daylight, you're offside. If your toe is in front of a of a defender, that is not offside. That is mm. not the offside that I grew up with, Lee grew up with, Graham grew up with, you yeah. grew up with, Harry. Playing football, that wasn't offside. You had to be clear. There had to be daylight between you and the defender for you uh, to be offside. And also, I don't want to see uh, players getting sent off, right, for tackles, right, when they're having to do them in slow motion. Because it yeah. makes it a hundred times worse than what it is. You have a play, exactly. all play, and then you make a decision, not slow motion, like slowing it all down and all that, because that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's there's been a couple of send. There's been a been a couple of sendings off in the last few weeks. Where, I mean, you take the West Ham one, uh, yeah, for instance. You know, the player the player didn't go in to hurt him. He's he's everyone can see that the momentum of the tackle yeah. took him into the player. Um, and he's been sent off. That one at Manchester City against Leeds when they were playing Leeds and the fellow got sent yeah. off in the first half. I don't think that it was um, a sending off. I think the momentum of the tackle took him in um, and, and obviously the, the follow-through and the momentum 
and, and they clash. There's an argument to say that he went in high. But I just don't think that was that was a sending off. And game was ruined. And it was a fantastic game before that. Whole yeah. game ruined. Um, you'll ne- so, you'll never get that consistency, though, on every yeah. single element of the game. It's impossible because unless you have the same man referee in every single game, things are going to be interpreted differently. And and that's, the, you know, that football's always been like that. And it, it's always going to be like that. The, as far as I'm concerned, VAR is something. It's like a, it's like having a toolbox with you, right? You you want to break open a, a door, for example. You know, it's just having a better tool to help you do it. You should still know how to do it and know what you're supposed to be doing yeah. yourself. Oh, I, is- I agree that the incompetence is there. But, like, the, the, I'll tell you what, though, Harry, right? And that is a great point that, that Craig brings up about the West Ham one. Like, when I see that, it's never a sending off, right? He's cleared the ball and he, we all see that, right? Mm. But you have to ask yourself, right, the VAR bloke in the VAR has asked the referee to have a look at it. So he thinks it's a sending off. And then the referee thinks it's a sending off as well. Two of them. And and, and, and the whole footballing fraternity, the whole players and all that say it's never a sending off. But apart from these two that have said it is like, you know what I mean? Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's and, nothing to do with VAR. That's yeah. incompetence. And that's where the referees have to be strong enough to say, okay, I've been sent over to the monitor because of the VAR feeling it might be a red card. But I still have to have enough about me and enough confidence in my decision-making ability to stand my ground and say, no, that's not... You know, more often than not, when a referee goes over, he does change his decision. And you look, But you look at, like, as I keep using the, the example of Italy, because that's the league outside of the Premier League I watch most. But you've seen referees go over loads of times and go, well, you've sent me over to the monitor but I still think I made the right decision. So sod it. Let's get on with the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there needs to be that strength from the referee to say, I don't care that you've sent me over. You've sent me over. I've had a look and I still think I was right. So let's get on with it. Mm. Yeah. Sorry for that last comment. I just put up on the screen. I pressed the wrong button. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we seem to be getting um, what they call uh, in the streaming world, uh, trolled or um, raided uh, by silly people. Um, who want to come in and make an account uh, and come in and call us silly names and then they get blocked and then they go back and they make another account. Um, so I think come back in and, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it's got, it takes me at least ten minutes um, if I if I'm doing a new email address to you know to get. I mean, I had to do one for work this week. It took me about twenty minutes. Try and get through it all, lads. Um, look, uh, should we talk about? Let's talk about some niceties. Ooh. ooh. Who's player of the year, Lee? Who's your player of the year? We'll talk about player of the year, young player of the year, and goal of the season. Lee Judges, who's your player of the year? Saka. Graham, who's your player of the year? Saka. Graham. Uh, sorry, Harry. <laughs> who's your player of the year? But it can't be Saka. No, no Saka. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> over, the course, over the course of the season, it's, it's Saka, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, young player of the year. <laughs> uh, Craig, yeah. can I come in? Craig, can. can I come in? Yeah, just to say that if Saka gets it as the young player of the year, he'd be the youngest player to become Arsenal player of the year since Jack Wilshere. Wow! I think Jack Wilshere was about nineteen years and five months. I think Saka might be nineteen years and eight months. I, I, I don't know if Harry can confirm that. Um, I don't know, to be honest, mate. <laughs> uh, but, well, you're, you're, you're the you're the journalist, mate. You're the, Martin Ty- you're the Martin Tyler. 
But, uh, <laughs> I haven't got can my I, notes in front can of me. Can I throw can I throw a player into the into the work? So I think it might Jacka, be a spanner. No, Pepe. Yeah. Good. Good luck. Good uh, end of the season. But it wasn't his fault. He wasn't trusted at the start. That's no, why. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think he's been. He, I think he's been brilliant. Had, had he played at the start he, instead of William, we might have. Uh, He's been brilliant since Christmas. So I tell you what, I think he's been up, been really good since he got sent off. He's come back. So what, what, what's, Harry, Harry, what do you see as the change in him? What's suddenly changed in his game that's made him better in these last few weeks? Um, a bit like I was saying to you last night. I think that he's, in- <laughs> <laughs> he's improved. He's improved his overall game, not just in the attacking third. I think he's that he does a lot more defensive work. I think his tactical understanding has improved as to what he's being asked to do and the gaps he needs to fill when he's not on the ball. Nicolas Pepe's always shown when he's got the ball at his feet, as unpredictable as he can be at times. He, he can make things happen. He's always carried a goal for it throughout his career. But now you're seeing a more uh, complete player. I think tactically he's, he's a lot better. I think he, mm. as I say, I think he helps the right back out a lot more or the left back, whatever side he's playing. I think he picks up in... in it picks up key areas in and pockets of space across the front line. But more importantly than any of that, he's a confidence player and he's had a run in the team lately. And, and, and that's that, you know, he's only started in 42% of Arsenal's Premier League games this season. That's less than half, less than half. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah. You know, that's, to have that so, goal to, return. Yeah, what he's returned. Yeah, that's superb. Um, yeah, Daniel Shaw says, thing. Daniel Shaw says that, you know, Pepe is surely the most improved player of the year. You know, if we go to back to our under ten presentation nights, we have most improved player of the year. Um, what, odds, what, odds, what odds would you've got at the start of the season that he would have been at the end of the season on the same number of goals in the Premier League as Pierre Emerick Aubameyang? Yeah, oh, you know, it's very good finishing, Pepe. I tell you, yeah, that goal. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come to I'm going to come to the next question. And Lee, have you got a goal of the season? Um. <laughs> Do you know what? I think for goal of the season for me was uh, Pepe's one against Crystal Palace to build up for it. Yeah. Finish. No, I, was gonna I, I thought yeah. that was um, that was brilliant. Great move. Great, great cross. Everything about that was great. So I'm going to go for that one. Yeah. Graham? Um, I think the goal we scored in the Community Shield would be up there for me. I know it's not in the Premier League season, but we literally yeah. played out from the back and then mm. switched it and brought Aubameyang in and, uh, and he scored a great goal. Yeah. Um, so that would be my goal of the season. Uh, I, I agree with Lee. In the league, I would say that goal against Crystal Palace. There's one that I can't think of. I'm sure there's one other great team move that I just can't remember what game it was in. I'm sure we scored. There wasn't goal. the. It wasn't the one last week, was it against Palace? I mean, that was a great. No, no goal. there was that one. There was another one during the season. I just can't remember when it was. There was one other great team move in the Premier League. We scored a great goal. I just can't remember the game, but. Just uh, while we're on... Yeah, see, against West Brom, someone's just putting it. That was a very... Yeah, 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 that was a great goal. Yeah, yeah. That was a good goal. Yeah, and also the other goal, uh, uh, the move with uh, Smith-Rowe setting up Saka in the same Saka, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That was that was sort of like when we, we did away with Lacazette at number 10 and moved Smith-Rowe into the 10 and then we're playing football across the front of the uh, the forward line. And it wasn't against Wolves, Graham, was it? It wasn't Saka's goal against Wolves away... It, it was Pepe's goal at Wolves, wasn't it? Away? No, Saka, it Saka, uh, Saka scored at Wolves away, and that was a bloody good move. I he volleyed it, it in from the no, it was Saka. He volleyed it in from the edge of the on the edge from the edge of the box, didn't he? 
Look at this, look. <laughs> I've got to love this, look. What in God's name? What of kind of life do people have? Um, <laughs> honestly, whoever's doing that, do you know what? I'm not even going to bother banning you anymore unless it's um, swear words or whatever. Just let me tell you that you're so sad. Um, anyway, great, uh, sorry, Harry. What's your um, what's your goal of the season, mate? My personal favourite was Granit Xhaka banging in that free kick against Chelsea. That was a good one. That was yeah, a good one. Um, that was a good one. Do you know what? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pick Pepe's one yesterday. Straight through the legs of Lewis Dunk um, and into the back of the net. What a goal! Just nutmeg a fella um, and it go um, into yes. Can I come in? Can I come in? Yes. I've checked it. It was Pepe who scored at Wolves. Yes. Well, Pepe got the goal at Wolves. It was when we lost 2 1, when Louise was sent off, Pepe gave us a lead. That was a great goal. Oh, I must be yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I must be thinking about the season before then. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, throw so. into, I throw into the mix my young player of the year will be Saka. Oh, uh, sorry, Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe, yes, uh, absolutely. How uh, can Smith Rowe get it over Saka? Uh, because you've, player because you've given him player, player of the year. No, I don't think there's any argument, but just for presentation's sake, no, no, no. we've given we've given Saka player of the year. I'm sure Saka will be happy because I know he watches this podcast. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure he I'm sure he would be happy that um, we've given player of the year, and I'm I'm quite sure that he won't mind his well, mate. Gabriel, Gabriel? He's Gabriel? He's that's he's good shout. Good shout. Good shout, lads. That brings us to the end of the season. It brings us to another end of the same old Arsenal podcast for a season. Um, Lee Judges, I know you're a very busy man um, out there in the social. I mean, you've even turned your hand to acting now. I mean, what a man. But he scored a, scored a goal in the playoff at the weekend. Yeah, he scored a goal yeah. in the playoff final as well. If you haven't seen that, have a look. Absolute screamer. Um, can I just tell you a story about that? Um, Go for it. Right, because it's very in- interesting information this is. Right, you know? Obviously, like, the, the, the shoot was at Millwall. Um, so I, the, the sat-nav took me through um, a rather high tunnel, like, you know. Yeah. 20 mile an hour. <laughs> well, I've got to be very, very careful there. I went 19 mile an hour there, 19 mile an hour back. Anyway, I've just been fined £130 because I, I, I took the van in there. You're not allowed to take a van in there. So anybody, like, you know, that is going in a van, do not go in the rubber ride tunnel. It will cost you £5 there and £65 back. So, um, yeah, uh, so uh, um, some of my fee for the uh, from my acting debut has gone. <laughs> uh, has gone on a has gone on a, uh, traffic fines. Well done, how mate. Much, well how, done. Much, how much did you get then? How much did you get for your acting fee? Hundred part of it. Hundred and seventy. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm out now. Like you know what I mean? So uh, he's come but, out with thirty five quid. Oh yeah, so be careful for that. I just, I just thought of a, I thought, thought of a question, right? Had VAR been in place in the 1966 World Cup final, would England have won the World Cup? Yes or no? Yes. No. What yes. you think, Jeff? You think Jeff Hurst's shot was over the Clearly line? Clearly over the line. We've watched documentary over documentary yeah. over scientific fucking pictures. The ball was across the line, and it doesn't matter. I'll tell you why that ball was across the line. I'll tell you this now, right? 
That ball goes, hits a bar and comes down. Coming onto that ball was Roger Hunt, right? Now, are you telling me that Roger Hunt puts his arms in the air and turns away from the ball if he doesn't thought that ball would go over? He would have headed that back in the goal and had a goal for himself in a World Cup final. That reaction alone tells you that that ball was across the line. Do you agree, Lee? No. <laughs> of course he doesn't. Because any time I speak a little bit of sense, he always goes nine, against it. Nine, nine, yeah. Harry, <laughs> Harry, 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 are you going for the goal or not? Nah, it's no goal for me. Well, he's going to say no, isn't he? The Cyprus <laughs> fan, isn't he? But he's bloody... It's nothing Greece. to do with it. It's yeah. nothing to do with it. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fair football man. I like Harry to see agreed. justice carried out. I like to see justice carried out. <laughs> Judges, yeah, so... Lee, you know I love you. You know, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you know you're you're one of my best mates. So look, thank you very much indeed for giving up your time every Monday night. Love it. Thanks for everybody that's been watching and in the chat and all that. You know, special people and uh, um, so thank you for all the support, everything you do. Um, um, I feel very blessed and uh, always honoured to come on the same old Arsenal. I love it. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's your podcast as much as it's my podcast. You're the host, uh, co-host. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's, 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 there's people in the people in the comments there saying we should do a live one next season. Can you imagine that? Um, that I mean, look, if, if COVID if COVID allows it, um, I think it's something we should think about. I think it would be quite cool to do, wouldn't it? Um, if you own a hall somewhere in London. In North London, preferably, get on to us. Uh, get on to us. Um, yeah, what thanks to that? everyone. Yeah. Thanks to everyone um, who's donated to the podcast this season. And there's a lot of you putting super chats there before I stopped them, but you all understand why I've stopped them. Um, if you want to donate to us for, for the podcast that we've done all year, then the link is in the description. Go ahead. Thank you very much indeed for your kind donations. And everyone um, who, who's been donating to us, absolutely um, unbelievable and very humbling. Um, for people to think that, you know, um, you, you give us a few quid um, for, for bringing you the podcast. Graham, uh, my thanks to you, sir. Uh, you're obviously a massive, massive part of this podcast, mate. You've been with us now for, I think it's three years now, isn't it? Um, yeah. Delighted uh, delighted when you agreed to come on board those three years ago. Uh, here you are still giving up your Monday nights um, to come and talk Arsenal with us. Graham, I could listen to talk. I could listen to you talk about football all day long, mate. Uh, your knowledge of the game is 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 undoubted. Um, why you are on this and not on Sky Sports doing some kind of uh, tactical analysis, I, I'll never know. Um, hashtag get Graham a job at Sky Sports. Get it out there. Um, let's get Graham a job on Sky Sports because he thoroughly, thoroughly deserves it. Graham, thank you very much indeed. Craig, it's always a pleasure to be on this podcast. As I've said many times, you guys are my football family. Thanks to you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, thanks to, to you for being a great host. And uh, just want to say also thanks to Nigel, unsung hero. Yep, absolutely. He moderates every week. Nigel does a great job for us. And I think, you know, it's, it's a pleasure. We talk about football uh, every week. Uh, we all have difference of opinions, but we respect each other. I think Dan has been a massive the addition to the pod as well. Mark comes in and fills in. Albert, yeah. you've got really good people 
to fill in. And I haven't been here every week this year, I have to admit, because I've obviously losing my mum and one or two work issues. But the standard on this podcast, I think, is really high. And I think the judge, you, together, the banter between you, I always look forward to seeing the judge. And although Sophie Rose no longer loves him, I can say there's a lot there's a lot of women at work who watch this who love him. So, so it's always great to be part of the pod. And, and great to see Harry making uh, moves now in the... The football world, uh, yeah, a, lot of respect, a lot of respect for Harry. Uh, and I know we only banter about his opinion and that, but we do respect him as well. He's great at what he does. And uh, thank him for last night. You know, he, he was coming back from football, made himself available to me when he's going home to his family. Great guys, all of you. And uh, it's been fantastic to be on you again this season. Looking forward to next season with you. Yeah, I would like to echo, obviously, and, and, and thank Harry. Harry, you, you have made some massive strides this year, mate. Um, you know, you, you, the Chronicles of Aguna has gone from strength to strength. You're getting jobs on talk sport. You're on commentating on football matches. The next Martin Tyler. Um, and Harry, I've got to say this. I love having you on here because you provide a different angle of, of looking at everything. And without you here to, to, Put, put these boys down a peg or two every now and then. Um, without you here doing that, I believe this podcast wouldn't be as good as it is. Um, I love having you on here for that reason. Um, you, you're absolutely super. Like last week, you, I, I, I listened back to it, and like everyone was coming at you. Oh, Harry. Oh, oh. And you had an answer for everything. And the thing I love about it is your answers are backed up with the facts. Fact. Um, so, Harry, again, I know you're a busy man um, with all the media stuff that you're doing. So thank you very much, mate, for giving up your Monday nights um, and, and coming to talk to us um, about the Arsenal. No, thank you guys, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I know there's been some weeks where I've not been able to make it this season. I apologise for that. But as I say, this is one of, you know, sometimes there's there's weeks where I've got quite a bit on and I'm, you know, you, you know what it's like, Craig, with young kids yeah. and you get tired Absolutely, and you can't mate. be bothered. But yeah. with this one, I'm always up for it because it's always great fun. It's great debate. Um, it's what, uh, you know, I try and look at it in a different way sometimes. It's why I get told I chat shit uh, quite a lot, but it's part of the territory. So, no, it's all good, man, and it's a pleasure. And, you know, I'm I'm delighted to be a part of it and, and to continue to be a part of it. So thank you, man. You're welcome, mate. And, of course, to Dan, I want to thank Dan, um, who has been a massive addition to this podcast. Unfortunately, he can't be here tonight. Uh, but he is bringing you um, a, a show on Thursday. It will be the last team talk. He's very excited about it. Uh, he's been trying to get um, Clive on from the Arsenal Vision podcast and he's managed to uh, get Clive to agree. So Dan will be interviewing um, Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast on Thursday for you at seven o'clock. My last thank you, well, it's not my last thank you, actually. I want to thank Nigel. I want to thank Albert. I want to thank Dan, the GFP. I want to thank Suburban Guna Chris, James Cook. Um, I want to thank the boys from the Total Screamers podcast who we've um, we've joined up with this season. Um, a couple of times. Thank you all, lads. You, you, we're all, you know, you're all part of it. Um, yes, this is the main podcast, but we've done a few podcasts there, Four Men and a Mic. Um, people have given up their time to come and speak to us, this, that and the other. But obviously, my last thank you um, goes to uh, you lot. 
um, for keep coming over 600 of you here tonight listening to us talk about football. It's massive numbers. I never dreamt, Lee never dreamt, none of us ever dreamt that the same old Arsenal podcast would, would, would be as big as it is. It's in the top 100 podcasts in, in the UK in, in, on the iTunes chart. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. And for all that, it's, it, you know, it's you guys that do it. We just sit here for an hour and talk about football. You guys sharing it, listening to it, subscribing to it, it's all because of you. Um, also, we brought in the same old Arsenal USA um, this season as well. Tanner, Stan... Rowan, um, I've forgotten his name now. The lad from uh, Ars Brothers. Um, there we go. We, we've you know we've reached out to America. We've got you know we've got a podcast going in America. So to the boys in America, thank you very very much uh, for for doing it every Tuesday night, taking your time to do it. Um, I think that's about it. Um, I could sit here and thank and thank and thank and thank and thank all night long. Um, if I've missed you Kevin, out, I, I'm, I'm very Kevin, sorry. Kevin, um, Kevin Campbell, Kevin Campbell, Warren yeah, Barton. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Campbell. Um, thank you very much, Kevin Campbell, uh, for giving up your time. I know you're a, you know, he's a very busy man as well. Kevin's got lots of jobs on, and it always makes time um, to come on. If you've ever been on here, thank you very much for giving up your time to come and talk to us about football. I mean, there's Warren Barton as well who gave up time to come and see us. Um, obviously, uh, we've, we thank, we've obviously, we, we, we've mentioned Mark, Mark, my long time, you know, long time school friend, Mark's come on. Thank you very much, mate, uh, for your contribution again, like Graham says, bringing you in, um, you know, it's breath of fresh air. Uh, yeah. I mean, what more, what more can I say? Um, I'm glad the season's over. I, I'm actually glad this is the first time I've, I've been glad but a football season's over. Um, yeah. We'll see you next season. Have a great summer. And, uh, we'll see you next season. Thank you very much. Until we see you, you. next season, um, take care of yourselves and each other. I can't. Can I? Yeah. Take care of yourselves and each other. Be good. Stay safe. Up the Arsenal. Social Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.